Welcome everyone to Plugged and Unplanned. It's Tony Nash back with you again. I'm the CEO of Booktopia and I have with me Jenny Brockus. Brockus, that's the correct spelling, right? Uh, the correct pronunciation, Jenny. That is absolutely correct, Tony. Spot on. Thank you. <laughs> I should have asked that before we kind of got into there. Apologies, <laughs> but um, you've got to get those things right now. Um, we have a triple time author with us. Uh, and I say, Jenny, it should be Dr. Jenny, um, Dr. Jenny Brockus. And this is her third book I have in front of me. You can't see it, but if you look online, uh, Thriving Mind and and how to cultivate a good life. So I'm really looking forward to this because I think anyone that's listening wants to cultivate a good life. I mean, don't we? I mean, who, who would write a book about how to cultivate a bad life? I mean, it's not going to sell too many copies. I think we probably already can do that ourselves. I think we want to try and find out how we can improve our lives. So, so Jenny, welcome to the show. And if you could just very briefly just give us a little background on on you know who you are and how you got to here and why you decided to even write this book. <laughs> okay, thanks, Tony. So I'm a doctor by training. I, I trained in the UK at Bristol and have spent my whole career in the health area. Uh, looking after people and restoring them to health. And over a period of time, I became restless. I was quite frustrated that I often felt as if I was putting a Band-Aid on people's problems rather than helping them to get to the nitty-gritty of what was actually making them sick. Yep, keep going. Sorry, I'm just moving my... I was just... There's a bit of background there. Keep going, yep. And I, and I started to realise that much of the illness I was seeing was actually entirely preventable, which got me really curious to explore what did we know about how to stay well? And the more I looked into what was coming out of the new neuroscience, the behavioral science and the positive psychology, I came to understand that actually there is so much available to each and every one of us to make a positive difference to our own lives and our well-being. And, you know, I was always being told, oh, you know, the, the global burden of disease is getting bigger and bigger and it's getting harder and harder for the health system to cope with it. Well, little wonder, because the way we're choosing to live is actually contributing to why so many of us are getting sick. So I thought, well, this is nonsense. So I actually chose to move out of general practice. Um, well, maybe choice is the wrong word, because I actually experienced burnout. Um, I've always been a perfectionist, a high achiever, always wanted to do the best for other people, and I was lousy at looking after myself. I had a um, husband and two small children, and I put everything, especially work, first. And I fell in a big, big hole, and um, as a consequence, I lost my, my practice, and I decided, having recovered, and that took 12 months, that I didn't want to go back into general practice, I really wanted to take the lessons that I had learned into the wider domain to share that, well, A, anybody can get burnt out, B, that so much stress is being experienced by so many people, and I think that's even more apparent today during this time of the pandemic. And I thought, well, let's put together some ideas about what it takes to be a happy, thriving human. And that was the, the premise for the book. That was what I wanted to share with people to give them ideas that, you know, they're already probably doing pretty okay. 
and some of the content would be basically reminders that what they're doing is great and that's good. It's always good to know what you're doing is fine. Um, but also to, to stimulate them to think beyond the usual when it comes to health and well-being, because most people focus, so it's all about diet, it's all about exercise, it's all about stress management. Well, yes, it, that's important, but I think we overlook the the human aspects of, of kindness and compassion and looking out, out for each other and making sure that we engage in those things that give us joy and pleasure. So, so basically, that's that's how I got into it. <laughs> Very good, because you know, and I'm not, I'm not exactly, I'm, you know, I want to be transparent with everyone, and this is not exactly true. So I'm over dramatizing it a little, uh, just to create a bit of sensation. But you know, yeah, I got given your book because I knew I was going to be doing this podcast, and I thought, oh, here we go. Here's a doctor telling me how to create a good life come on, this is going to be very technical. It's going to be very, and I, seriously, I, I've got to share with you. Now, I opened it up and I thought straight away, I mean, I randomly opened pages and I thought, hey, this is pretty good. This is like, <laughs> like you can actually kind of, you almost can open up on a page and go, oh, that I could just read this. I don't need to kind of go from the big, I mean, you can, of course, go from the beginning to the end, which I think is important, but there was actually really nice chunks of, of good quality content in there that you, even though you're obviously um, a doctor and have studied it at a, at a you know clinical level, mm. you've you've really distilled it down into some really easy to consume messaging, and I think that's really important for me to be able to share that, who, and and hopefully inspire some of the listeners to this podcast to go, oh, maybe I should get that book because seriously, it's it is it is really good. What sort of feedback have you had thus far? It's, it's actually been really positive, um, which has been which is great. Uh, and I think what's what's been really encouraging is that people have shared, you know what, Jenny, I've I've been there too, and it is actually so good to know that you know people like yourself can also go through that experience and come out the other side and be okay. Mm-hmm. So that that's been really good to know and. Yeah, it's it's just been fun to hear what people have di- different people have taken away from it, and it's not always what you expect. Sometimes it's the sort of little quirky bits of research that I've tossed in. <laughs> people always seem to love those, um, but I, I try to keep it as as personable as possible because I didn't want to come across, as you've just said, as the know-it-all doctor who's telling people what to do. Far from it. I really wanted to provide it as some ideas and some concepts for people to think about and say, oh. Well, maybe that is relevant to me. Maybe that is something that I could get into. Maybe that is something that I would enjoy. Yeah, it's, I mean, you you cover quite a few things, and I mean, but at a top level, there's some fairly simplistic, um, let's just call personal initiatives like your sleeping, um, yep. energy, focus. Um, so when you when you think about all of the you know, ideas and options you've kind of given people. Exercise, exercise is is you know good for your brain, good for <laughs> your well-being. Mm. Um, what what are some of the kind of the biggies for you that when you look across, um, and that you maybe walking down the street and not necessarily um, in a clinician's room, but um, you know, collectively, what are some of the big monumental continental shifts that we can do to to kind of back on track or or even to kind of to trigger a kind of a, a 
initiation of a journey to kind of begin getting back. Like one of the, what's some of the first things that people get to do to go, yeah, I'm kind of digging myself out of the mire, out of the, you know, the, the stuck in the mud. What, what, I mean, you've done it. So what, what do you know is, is some mm. of the best kind of strategies to have? I think, um, well, certainly from a personal perspective, the insight for me was that overwork is terrible for us. And yet, on a societal level, we've 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 bought into this idea that in order to be successful, you have to drive hard, always do more, always come in early, leave late, and and it's never ending, and that's 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 totally unrealistic, and it's also damaging. And I think you know if we can get them the idea out there that less is more, if we stop trying to push ourselves so darn hard. I mean, I, I work a lot in the resilience space and and I get frustrated when when the uh, request is, well, can you can you teach the audience to be more resilient? And and my take is, well, actually, I don't think they need any more resilience. They're actually fully resilient already. What they do probably need to have more permission for is to do less, to take a step back, to to rest, because um, I, I often use the analogy of, of athletes who you know have to train very hard because they want to win a race, but they also know that if they overtrain and overdo it, they're actually going to stymie their chances. And and I think for ourselves, we can be highly successful, but we don't have to devote every minute of every day to you know the pursuit of what we perceive success to be or look like and and I think it's interesting in this time of the pandemic where um, I for one have had a drastic change in how I go about doing my work because I was often hopping on a plane every week traveling east west west east and my brain trying to <laughs> overcome the effects of jet lag frequently um, and and feeling chronically tired and I think Listening to what people have been sharing, they've been saying the same thing. They said, you know what? It's actually been really nice to slow down a little bit and take time out to do those things which we never thought we had time for. And, and I think looking forward, I think uh, many people will be looking for opportunities to say, well, how can I hang on to this? Because it's been so good and I feel so much better for it. Mm. That makes, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I know that People, if you think about uh, getting ready for the day, um, traveling to your work, um, mm. getting into the work, um, I mean, how much people leave it at 7.30 or leave it or leave at 8 to be at work at 9. So, and then there's a double that, you know, every day. Yep. That's just on the minimum, two hours a week, 10 hours a week, 500 hours a week. I mean, we work something like 160 hours a month. So you've been gifted like three months worth of extra <laughs> time yeah. by not having to travel and you just kind of walk up to your, your home office. There's yeah. obviously downsides to that too, though, that being being stuck at home and not socialising as well, yeah. making sure that you've yeah. got that balance too because going to work also nourishes you from a social aspect, does it not? Very much so. And... Um, I, I think one of the things that often gets overlooked is our, our need to form strong bonds between different people. And 
the the best workplaces I've had the privilege of working with have been those where there's very much a sense of it almost being like a family. They, they've got that sense of belonging. They, they enjoy what they do. They enjoy being with their colleagues. They've got that sense of I'm doing something that's worthwhile. And, and they feel great about it. And I'm thinking, whoa, that's, that's absolutely fabulous. And all of a sudden, when the world was turned upside down and we found ourselves in our, in our living rooms or in the kitchen or wherever we could have a space and sufficient internet bandwidth, uh, it was all of a sudden, well, I'm not seeing my colleagues as much. And even though you may have established quite good, strong, trusting relationships over a period of time, when you're separated, geographically um, and you can really only see each other by by screen it changes the nature of that relationship and I think it's it's difficult at this time to to maintain that sense of proper connection with each other I think some people are doing it really well and try and you know doing check-ins and so are you okay is everything all right and anything I can help with but I think some other people have hated not having that contact um, and have really felt disaffected and, and cut off from that, that normal camaraderie, collegiality, call it what you like, because that's what uh, creates that level of excitement and enthusiasm for what they do. Sometimes doing it all on your own, it's, it's hard to remain that self-motivated. <laughs> I, I mean, it, you think of something as simple as exercise, you know, some of us go to the gym, some of us go for a walk or run or whatever, and I had a certain pattern of doing things and I found that with the pandemic, even though my my habit had been to go for a daily walk because we've got dogs, um, go for Pilates classes two, three times a week and maybe go for a swim. All of a sudden, I found it much harder to find the motivation to get out and do anything. And, and, I, and I was very much conscious of the fact that I felt this withdrawal effect happening where to the point where I even didn't want to go out as much. And I think that's a dangerous place for, for people to find themselves, especially at a time when many people are already experiencing quite marked levels of loneliness. Yes, I mean, it's, it's, we've all had to kind of, I mean, the nice thing is we've all been globally, we've been thrown in it together. Um, and you don't, it's a bit comforting to know that uh, it wasn't just me or this country, even though, I'm sure Victoria at the moment, because uh, for those that are listening, it's at the time when Victoria is in shutdown and the rest of the country is not as restricted. Um, but but it is, I mean, the whole that whole dynamic. I want to just come kind of come back to your book, I guess, for a second, because you've called it Thriving Mind. So mm. um, it's it's interesting because that you know you're talking about a lot of things that are actually are your physical well-being. Yep. Um, so let's let's explore a bit. Your, from your perspective, the the kind of relationship between the mind, um, which is of course different to your brain, which is just as an organ in your body, and yeah. all the other parts. How do you kind of make sense of that? What's your what's your view? What's your model that you use? The model is really that we've been taught to think about our physical health separate from our mental well-being separate from our ability to use our brain to think learn and remember and my model is actually that it is all one and the same and in order to enjoy greater mental well-being it's about 
paying attention to your physical side of health, as well as looking at how well your brain is operating, how what you're how you're thinking that supports you in that well-being space. And and it's the same for the physical side of things. It's difficult to have that sense of good physical health if you're not paying attention to your emotional side, if if you're feeling a bit anxious or a bit depressed. Um, but we know that the two work hand in hand. So I see it, you know, they're, they're three facets which come together. So you can't focus on one aspect on its own because they're all underpinning each other. Mm. So if someone is, I'm, I'm guessing here, if someone is feeling depressed mm. um, or, or um, even just, uh, you know, lacking motivation, for example, Mm. Is the is the best thing for them to do is just simply start moving. Um, what, what what if you come across a patient or someone who's in that kind of state and they just and and we've got maybe a friend or somebody that we know and we just come on let's go for a walk together. Is that are there kind of is there trusted kind of processes that we can all refer to? And do you talk about them in your book at all about and and can we learn from that? What's your experience there? Uh, my experience is is definitely yes that that is a very important um thing to consider and and i think a lot of us have got this heightened sense of anxiety at the moment and i think knowing that there are simple things that you can do to help alleviate that level of anxiety is is really important and whether you do it on your own or if you've got someone who is a bit concerned about you and says come on you're coming out with me, we're going for a walk, we're going for a coffee, we're going with that. We need that, A, we need that social interaction to know that somebody actually has noticed that we're not ourselves um, and to support us. And we also benefit from tapping into maybe previous experience, what we've learned from before, of what we know helps us to feel better. And and certainly the evidence is, is there that mental well-being is supported by people around us by the level of physical activity we engage in and I'm not talking about training hard you know walking is a fantastic way to reduce stress levels and boost the feel-good hormones in our in our heads that actually make us feel better and clear our thinking um, and to understand that you know if you can get better sleep that again is going to help you to feel less anxious less depressed so it's it's about giving yourself permission to address all those things that you you know make you feel better and and giving yourself permission to actually do it uh, with or without the support of others. I think that's that's the paramount thing. And it's interesting that um, I've I've always been a nature lover. I love getting outside. You know, if the sun is shining, it's a blue sky, it's a beautiful day, and I'm in the office, I'm thinking. Mm, I'd much rather be outside going out for a walk. And sometimes I do. I mean, I've got the, I'm lucky that I work from home normally. So I can actually schedule that into my day. And I know on the days that I don't get out, I'm, I'm not in as good a place. I'm not as always as clear thinking. And I don't have that level of creativity that I sometimes need when I'm, I'm researching and writing. 
So I think, you know, it's it's looking beyond the, the normal, let's just go out for a walk. It's about being in that green space or blue space if you live near water, just to look beyond the sphere that we normally get caught up in, which is our own lives and our work and our immediate family, and to sort of reconnect to the bigger picture, the planet around us and the other people, the city around us and things like that. Because I think that can actually help us feel better in ourselves. Mm, so I'm, I'm asking an expert, and I have Dr. Jenny Brockus with me today, author of Thriving Mind. Um, and I want to ask you this curious question. Do, we, do a lot of us not know that we're stressed? Do, do a lot of us have a, you know, like, I mean, if you stop someone and you said, you know, have you taken a moment to, you know, smell the roses or um, how much, how, how long did you sleep last night or for the last week in total, how many hours did you sleep? Um, mm -hmm. Are you like, are most of us just so caught up in all of our um, to-do lists or, or, um, you know, um, projects that need to be completed and there's deadlines. Are we, are we, are we completely uh, wired up that we, we can't even see that we're, that we're um, perhaps, uh, you know, if, if it was a dashboard that there are certain things going into the red zone. Mm. Will, how, you know, how, how tragic is it? That is tragic. And, and I agree some, in some instances we are completely blind to what's going on because it's become our normal. And if, you, if, if that's your normal, there's nothing wrong with it. The trouble is it's not normal. And the longer we go on, uh, living under sort of severe chronic stress, the greater the risk of falling foul of, of either a stress-related illness or, or anxiety and depression or, or even burnout. Um, denial is, is, is very strong too sometimes. And um, people have sometimes asked me and said, well, you know, what is it that, you know, you understand that too much stress is not good for you and it can lead to burnout. When, what did you fail to notice in yourself that um, didn't prevent you from falling off that cliff edge? And I think it was because I had normalized it and, and I expected to be busy. I expected things to be tough. I expected to always have to just push on through regardless. And so I, I subconsciously, mostly, because um, I certainly wasn't conscious of it, chose to ignore all those warning signals. Uh, and and unless somebody is is able to to say, well, have you have you thought about you know how you are at the moment because you you don't seem quite yourself or you seem a bit stressed, that you don't pause for long enough to actually reflect on how am I am I doing okay because we're just too busy rolling forwards all the time. Yeah. I mean, one of the things for me, I kind of, I like to have this big awakening. I like to have uh, this great aha moment when something clicked in and I, and then I'm able to storytell around and go, you know, I, I had this, you know, I've been bankrupt right in the past. So that in what, and I, and bankruptcy was very liberating. Um, it was, it was a great um, decision that I made at that time. And it's a reference point in my life. So I kind of built this story around it. And that I worry about myself that I need to have these breakdowns. You had one, so you know what it feels like. 
to actually yeah. get the lessons and, and like it just disturbs me for myself that I that I you know, unless I have some big catastrophe um, mm. and and you you know it's like you're driving the car and and then all of a sudden it runs out of petrol and you go oh is that what that why that thing was flashing oh oh you need to fill it up do you I didn't realize you need to fill it up oh like and so then you <laughs> get you, go, oh, you have this big lesson right and so you never yeah. let it hit that number that you know that lower is that are we all kind of programmed to kind of I worry about that. Are we all programmed to kind of have to crash so we can rise from the ashes like a phoenix? Oh, I hope not. That, oh, that sounds dreadful, Tony. <laughs> I know it does. It does, but it, don't like it, that concept at all. <laughs> like, can we, but are there things? Are there questions? Like, are there ways of catching ourselves out, or even supporting friends? Or you know, I'm yes. you know, you can tell how curious I am. It's a, it's an important subject matter for me. Even though Booktopia is hugely successful. But it comes at costs of other things, including my health and my well-being. And I know that I have to make decisions in my daily life about how, whether I'm going to do some exercise or not do exercise, and so. so yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're we're making those those decisions continuously every single day, as as you as you suggest. And uh, I mean, yes, we sometimes do have these sort of catastrophic events which catapult us into awareness. Uh, and can be pretty uncomfortable and unpleasant at the time, but afterwards you think, cheapers, I did need that wake-up call. But but not everybody needs that. And I think if it's if it's something that you are attuned into understanding how you work or function at your best and what's important to you, I think if we consciously choose to make those choices that are going to support us, then we're actually minimising that risk. I'm not saying it can be a guarantee, but we're minimising that risk that we could end up in a in a hole. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so sensible when you say that, but you know, I know human, right? <laughs> but once you bring emotion into it, or the yeah. stress, or you've got something like you just throw all of that stuff out. It's like when you go to a psychologist and you sit down and whatever was kind of going on for you at the time that made you make that appointment in the first place you kind of go in there and you're quite balanced and you have this why am i even here it's kind of like <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's so um you know i feel i guess that's part of the you know the human mind is is um which is what your book's about you know the thriving mind is that the emotional mind or the emotional body uh, the chemical body that we have mm. do, do we are we at are we at its mercy like do we is does what what's going on at a at that um, you know beyond our thinking um, mm. that's really that's really driving us? To, um, I struggle with sugar or or yeah. sweets or or carbs. So constantly yeah. for me, it's like um, to to have any kind of sense of willpower over that, um, and I have it over many other aspects of my life. But with that, um, to tr uncouple myself. What, what's how do you how have you had to do you do much with what you do in your practice work? Do you have to do much mm -hmm. around around addictions or around that, or or is it your work in other areas? It's it's more about um, the mental well being, but also I do do tackle some of those those lifestyle factors, um, particularly about dietary indiscretions, if you want to call them that way, <laughs> or, or why we don't go in and do the exercise, even though we know it's going to make us better. So I think it's just understanding that, you know, we're creatures of habit. 
changing our behaviours is really tough. And I think just knowing that it's not easy, otherwise we'd all be doing it. Uh, and it is something that we just have to keep reminding ourselves of and coming back to just to say, okay, well, that didn't work very well last week. What am I going to try and do better this week? Uh, but it, it's so much around our attitude and our mindset and our emotions play a huge role, huge role. Every decision we make is influenced by our emotional input. Mm. And uh, so, you know, if if you're emotionally not feeling that great, it's it's important to be mindful that you might not be making terribly good decisions at the moment. Mm. But, so let's let's dive in and and I'm going to just choose a couple of your your chapter headings. Okay. Well, mm -hmm. so you, you part one, two, three, and four: disrupt, disruption, happiness, thriving, and human. But within there, um, it's kind of. Let me pick one out here. Don't the first. Don't panic. But dinner is burning in the oven. Yes. And you started with that. It's quite an unusual way to, you know, just <laughs> to, to embark on the journey for the reader. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just share a little bit about. I know it's not giving too much away about your book, so it's kind of like. Uh, I guess it's probably going to trigger a lot of emotions to people are going to be hovering over the buy now button on their on the booktopia website to say okay. order order jenny's book now um <laughs> what tell us a bit about that well the idea for that that chapter title was really um in recognition of my own um chasing my own tail or busyness sometimes where i'm doing half a dozen different things simultaneously uh, I'm trying to sort of sort out the last emails, uh, I might be supervising the children's homework, I might be sort of trying to listen to what my partner's telling me and I'm trying to cook dinner and I've, I don't know, I've got it all prepared, it's in the oven and then I get distracted by something else and all of a sudden somebody says, what's that burning smell? <laughs> and you think, oh no, uh, you know, it, and, and it happens, <laughs> it's life. <laughs> so it was really just to highlight the, the some of the chaos um, and uh, rushing around that we do all day long that is actually getting in our way of leading a happy, fulfilled, could I say relaxing life? Mm. <laughs> Are we allowed to be relaxed these days? Mm. I, I guess, um, but, but, so, so thanks for obviously sharing your, you know, your personal home <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it has happened. Um, I'm sure it has. Happened. Do you do you find that um, having that's I mean support of your partner and the kids or all of us supporting each other is an important aspect of that. Like in terms of having a, a good life, if if um, if you find yourself in you know someone reads this book and they and they just say yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna commit myself to a to the life that I want to lead. It's not someone yeah. else's life, which is kind of like what I'm reading into the words in terms of how to cultivate a good life. It's not how to cultivate a good life according to what Jenny says. It's a, a good right. life what you want, right? Absolutely. So, yes. Those, yeah. Do, do people find themselves um, at you know when they embark on some of these journeys that they actually need to see who's on the journey with them because totally. maybe yeah. it's not going to work out? Is that? Yeah. I think the, the, the most important aspect is is the is the 
relationship you have with your partner, you know, your, your life partner. If you've got a really strong partnership, you know that your partner will have your back no matter what. And it doesn't matter what life throws in your way, you know that you'll come through it together. And I think that is the most wonderful gift we can ever give someone else, you know, to our most important person in our life, to, so that they know that they are safe. And I, and certainly from a personal perspective, I, I am truly blessed. I've, I've got the most wonderful man in my life. Uh, we've been married quite a long time now, and um, uh, we've got two beautiful children. And I know without him, it would have been much more difficult and I don't know that and I, I probably wouldn't have ended up doing what I'm doing today because I needed his his backup um, to help me with the confidence to start basically a totally new career moving away from you know what was described as you know being a good GP into my own creation which was a, a workplace based so, so it, it does matter. It matters so much. And I, I like to you know, share with people that your, your level of success, your, your health, your longevity, the, the most critical aspect of that isn't, um, you know, how many times you get to the gym each week or how many times you eat fish each week. It's really knowing that you have a strong, close relationship with the person in your life. What and what about if there's no person in their life? What do you do? Then what, what's your view on the, that? The next, beyond if you if you're not in a partnership, then obviously if you've got a trusted confidant, and hopefully we all have at least one person in our lives that we could we know we could reach out to and have a telephone call with or catch up over a coffee or something. Um, because that, that sense of someone else knowing who you are as a person is, is the critical piece. Yeah. That's it. I'm going to ask you something and you don't have to give anything away because the way that you just said that to me, it's not about the intimacy or the sexual intimacy of, of your partnership, which a lot of people think, well, I've got a partner and, Mm. And so therefore, all oh, right. So that's who you sleep with, kind of thing. It's kind of like the way that you said that is, is that everything else, other than the that physical intimacy, mm. is where where all the nourishment, all the the bond, and yes. and that doesn't necessarily need. In fact, all of your friends who are in your life, all the people that are in your yep. life, what yep. do they then bring? That's it. That's something that I, you know, well, I obviously know about that, but it's it's a it's an interesting aspect to to you know, what you know who we have in our lives and totally. yes and, and what what they can bring to to your your own personal mm. happiness Absolutely. and well being yeah so if if we choose to nurture those relationships with those people that you know make us laugh make us feel good that we enjoy their company and they enjoy ours that's giving everybody a boost Mm. And uh, that—that's what's nourishing. Yeah. Interesting. So, does so what when the work that you do is it mostly one to many or is it one on one? What? How do you how do you operate? It's a real mixture. Uh, it, obviously, in a conference, it's one to many, and in workshops, it's one to fewer. Uh, 
And I also do a little bit of one-on-one as well, because sometimes people just need that sort of more intimate conversation to take a deeper dive into what's going on in their own lives. Um, And I think it can be helpful to talk those things through and to provide them some ideas of, or and to tap into to find out what they've already been doing that I can support them with. So when you're at a conference, um, what are your key, what's, you know, obviously you're spending a lot of time with people, probably 45 minutes or an hour. Um, yeah. What's your, what's some of your key messages that you, you try and instill or, or have people or questions that you may ask them to kind of get provoke a little bit of, mm-hmm. um, you know, shift them a little. Yeah. Okay. Um, I sometimes ask them, so, you know, if we're talking about stress, for example, I might say, okay, well, how do you approach stress? If, you, if you're going through a really stressful time, and I think we all know what that means to us as individuals, you know, how do you approach it? Do you approach it with a, a particular strategy? Do you just try and dig a hole and hope it, we can bury it and get rid of it that way? What do you normally do? And then I, I usually share um, what uh, a friend of mine shared with me which is to approach stress as a dog would. So you use some doggy wisdom because if a dog comes across something it's not sure about and it's not sure if it's good, bad or indifferent, uh, it's going to give it a good sniff uh, and it's going to quickly determine, uh, well, is this something that I can eat or play with? And if I can't, just cocky leg, pee on it and walk away. And I think... (laughs) You know, we, we, we treat stress because it's 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 something that we feel is often harmful when it's too much. Um, but we forget that a little bit of stress is OK because it, it makes us curious and excited to do something different or step up to a challenge. Uh, and just to realise when it's time to just let go, because I think some of us carry this mantle of stress around with us everywhere we go, which is so burdening um and wearing and it and it means that you're not going to be thinking straight you're not going to be enjoying what you're doing as much so you know by by lightening up our approach to stress and being more playful with it we can actually make it less burdensome so it's a bit i always think of it as that you know we start off with a a small worry in our mind and the more we we let it sit there and fester the more it grows And all of a sudden, it's this big, horrible thing that's keeping us awake at night that we just can't get our head around. And it's going round and round in circles. And you think you wake up in the morning exhausted because all you've been doing all night long is thinking about that terrible stress that's in your head. So, uh, yeah, I I like the doggy wisdom. I found it very helpful. Mm. I I guess, I mean, I remember when I travelled around the world from the age of 23 to 27. I worked in London for a couple of years, but um, I um, I was traveling through Europe as a backpacker on with my Ural Interrail pass that I had. Um, and after nine months of traveling, I just could not see one more church or museum or gallery. Like I was just I was just itching to get back to work. Right. And here I was on a holiday. I was 23, then 24. It's like, it's actually, that was quite stressful by the end of it to, to have be that, um, and there was no, I mean, I lived off, I, I actually did very, very meagerly. I was my, I had a 
worked out that I had spent like $15 a day for nine months. Um, <laughs> and and I had met people, stayed with them, did all these things, did lots of adventures. Yeah. I traveled all over Europe. And, and it's interesting that even with retirement, even when you get, even now, or on a weekend or something, or like it's not relaxing or even being more relaxed can actually be quite stress. Like, so there's a bit of a fine balance between kind of having, a, you know, your good, what's your good life? Good life is also about contribution. It's about what you do for work. Um, how It's not necessarily about, you know, amassing tons of money so you can, so you can, you know, live in your holiday house and then in travel to your, you know, to Europe and, and like it's, it's quite an interesting um, package that we get to kind of bring together. Each of us has our own different pursuits and pleasures and so forth. Mm. Uh, I mean, is that, do you, in your book, do you kind of um, cover that off or how do you kind of encourage people to, to explore what they're, what's going to bring, you know, help them cultivate a good life? I think, uh, I do I do cover that in the book I do talk about contribution and compassion and how that helps us as well as helping other people uh, and I think you're right I agree that you know we, we, we measure you know we measure success in different ways and it's not just the material aspects of what we achieve in terms of houseboat or whatever because really um, I think the, the, the bigger question is, well, what do you want to be remembered for? You know, what do you want others to look back on your life and think about you? And it, it may not be your work, your, your paid job, but it may be other things that you were involved in outside work. And it may have been in a voluntary capacity. It may have been something that you joined as an organisation and contributed your, your part to what that organisation was trying to achieve for the good of others and things like that. So I think it's, it's different for each one of us, but I think, um, and especially as we get older, I think that becomes increasingly important to many of us, that we want that, we have that sense of wanting to give back rather than just taking. And it's interesting, your, your journey as a, as a teenager uh, rumbling around Europe that, you know, we need, we need that sense of purpose to what we're doing. And while traveling around and exploring new countries, new lands, meeting new people is, is fantastic and wonderful, it, it doesn't always tap into that innate sort of feeling that it's contributing to something or somebody else. It's, it's, more, it's more of a, well, I suppose you could call it selfish, but it's, it's, it's self-exploration, self-discovery, um, and it contributes to shaping us into the people we become. And I, I find it interesting that you got to a point where you'd had enough of that and it was time to get back and, and say, well, okay, now what am I going to do? What, what am I going to do next? Mm. Yeah, and I, I guess a lot of us go through that. So mm. I'm looking at your chapter headings again um, and you talk about, I mean, sleep, not just for the wicked, food to boost your mood, exercise as medicine, like helping out helps everyone. So, I mean, when, when just rattling those off, you can just, uh, people who, who you know, are motivated to buy your book, 
I mean, it is very, very practical. Do we do, and you talk about, you know, how to cultivate a good life. There is some, I don't know, intuitive feeling about that, that I feel that you're kind of moving in and out of it. Like just yeah. because you kind of finally, ah, oh, this feels good. You know, I did an exercise this week. I caught up with some friends. I was very productive at work. I cleared out that cupboard, you know, finally, right? Finally. And then all of a sudden comes out of left field and you just <laughs> completely like, and you're back to it. So it's not like, oh, read this book and you, you know, you're going to smash it out of the park and it's going to be, you know, everyone's going to be jealous of your life. You are literally, you, it's, a, it's a movie, it's, it's tidal, you know, like you're moving in, you're moving out, right? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. I like the title analogy. Yes, very true. Because it's always going to be a work in progress. Um, you know, things change uh, as we as we mature and go through the different phases of our life. So, what feels good at one aspect in one time of our life isn't necessarily going to be the right fit as as we go into another phase. But I think it's just you know tapping into those things that do add into that overall feeling that overall i'm leading a good life mm -hmm. and it's certainly not about perfection and it's certainly not about oh look at me i've got the good life see what you're missing out on no <laughs> it's nothing like that um it's it's just tapping into the our own individual um greatness if you like or uniqueness that allows us to bring out our best and shine in what we do when we're we're going about our daily lives really sounds like to me like capacity. It's kind of like um, I am capable and my capacity to be of, uh, of value to myself and others is at the optimal best. And sometimes it'll just mean that I am just going into my den and I'm going to watch, I'm going to binge on a, not to say that I do this, but binge on a Netflix series for the yep. next 10 hours. Do not, you know, phone is on do not disturb in don't <laughs> knock on the door, right? So to some people, it's that I get that. So it's, it's. I think it's it's about your ability to to be as as functional and as and as you you kind of said in the beginning. It's like a sports person. Um, if you go out, if you go out on a on a big night with your mates um, or the or the ladies, and you've got a, a huge tournament the next day, or you've got a big presentation that you might have to do for for work, or you, you need to, you've got um, somebody's wedding. Like, you, you're going to be impacted by whatever happened before. And so, therefore, consider that. And yeah. then, okay, so what am I going to do to, I mean, I remember a time with Booktopia. Seriously, in the very beginning, it felt like I was putting $3 worth of fuel into the tank, you know, while I slept. And then I went the next day and then I was exhausted and then another $3 in and so I was always feeling like I was running on empty. Yeah. And at some point I thought, no, 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 I am just going to fill up this tank and start the day on a full tank. And then mm -hmm. by the time you get to the end of the day, yeah, you used up some fuel, but how am I going to fill it up again? And that feeling, that feeling of uh, my wife really um, is amazed that I can just, you know, at the end of the day, it may be late, maybe midnight or 11 o'clock, but when I hit the bed, I don't, there's no like tossing or turning or thinking, oh, I just go to sleep. And yeah. even though there's so many things going on with the business, I can really do that. I can do it really easily. It's very, 
it's a it's a great skill to have actually it is it is a very good skill to have there are probably many people listening thinking i wish i could do that as well <laughs> well you know what do i do i just go well i'll just deal with that you know or just i don't even it's just about you know sleep is sleep and then maybe i'll process it overnight and think of something in the morning my yeah. wife struggles she'll wake up at three and then just be thinking about these things that need to be done or all the chores or how how am I going to deal with this and so forth? So um, it's it's about I it's really about letting go of that. It's about and trusting yeah. Yeah. that that um, we're going to you know we're going to be uh, we're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, we're coming to the end of our hour, and I and I'm keen to you know is there anything else that you thought? Gee, he never asked me about this, or we didn't talk <laughs> about that, or is there something that you think um, you'd like to share and um, other than, you know, buy, everyone should buy 10 copies of, the, of your book and give it to a thousand people. Um, what, what, is, there, is there something that you, you want to let us know? I think um, looking forward from where we are now, I'm hoping that people will take out from the book what they will use to reset for their future. It's, it's really about being, noticing what, wasn't maybe working so well for them before, choosing to let go of that, choosing to do things differently and giving themselves permission to start adding in those those aspects which, yeah, give them more joy, give them more pleasure, make life more fun and, and go from there because I think this is the time of opportunity to actually achieve that to get off the, 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 the treadmill that we've, so many of us have been caught up on, just run, 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 and, and to say, well, you know what, the way I've been running my life, the way I've been doing my work hasn't been the best, and I'm going to be shaking it up and doing it a bit differently now. Obviously, if you're not your own boss, that can be a bit more challenging because you have to negotiate things a bit differently, but I think we will see quite a lot of change moving forward, but I'm hoping that what we will see is positive change towards uh, greater kindness between people, greater uh, connection between people, people really looking for meaningful relationships, whether it's through life or work or whatever, and, and really buying into the idea that it's time that we got better at caring Caring for ourselves with the self-care, the, the lifestyle issues, but also caring for each other because that's going to create a, a, a better world for us all to live in. So I think, you know, this is the time to do it. And so, so thank you. Um, so the thriving mind and how to cultivate a good life actually is not as personal as that sounds. It's actually, there's a lot of um, um, group and community and and global um, vision and 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 aspirations around that kind of around your messaging. It's like um, no point in you know no point in being the last person on the planet. Um, no. It's like we're all got to get there together. If we don't get there together, then um, then we didn't make it. It's kind of it's kind of like what you're saying there. Mm. But but also acknowledging our differences because no two people are the same. We all think differently and we behave differently. And and so there's no right or wrong in what we do. It's mm-hmm. working out what's best for us and best for our families. Yeah. Right. So so how do obviously people can uh, buy the book 
through Booktopia, but of course I'm I'm sure it's available in in all bookshops around the country. Now you've got a couple of other books I saw on our website. Um, some of them have been out for a few years. What are those ones? Just let us know. So um, Future Brain was released in 2015, which was a bestseller. And a second edition of that was published in 2019, where uh, the title was changed, which did add to a little bit of confusion because people thought it was a new book, but it's actually a, a second edition of Future Brain. And that was called Smarter, Sharper Thinking. Okay, right. So there are, oh, I didn't realise. So is that so John Wiley, your publisher, can make more money and to trick people? Why did they do that? Yes. <laughs> I'm sure they had a reason for changing the title, but they did. Yeah. They, they must have felt that it was um, more appropriate to the changing landscape that we were in, obviously. Yeah, I, think so. I think that was yeah. the thing behind it. Yeah. Marketing. I'll give them that credit. Um, they're pretty good at what they do. Um, yeah. So, Jenny, thank you so much for spending an hour with us and, and sharing your wisdom and your insight and also some of the personal um, challenges that you've had to come across. Um, we wish you well with the success of your book. And you. if you're at a conference and you, you know that Jenny's speaking there, then go up and say good day, and, and you've already got a head start because you heard it first here on Plugged and Unplanned. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Tony. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces, and more. Or, if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast, and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore, at booktopia.com.au.